If you want to know what is really happening in the world today, you need to read the Parsha HaShavua, the weekly Torah reading. Join Rabbi Mendel Lipska for the next hour as he delves and enumerates the themes running through the weekly Torah Parsha, only on 101.9 High FM. And a wonderful Erev Shabbos to all of you. Great to be with you once again. Spend some time. Talk about the Parsha. Talk about the week. Talk about what's happening and talk about life. Because after all, as I always say, Torah is Torah Chaim. It is the Torah of life. It touches life. It tells us how to live life. It makes life meaningful and purposeful. And of course, this is a very special era of Shabbos because it's Shabbos Mevorchim Elul. Tomorrow, please God in Shul, after the reading of the Torah, we will be blessing the month of Elul. And Elul, of course, is that very special month the last month of the year prior to Rosh Hashanah. And as the last month of the year, it's a month that brings to mind, well, it's a time to think about what have I accomplished during this year? How am I going to approach God on Rosh Hashanah? What do I have to do during this month to make sure that what will take place will, in fact, reflect the type of relationship that I want to have with God. And this is why the word Elo, our sages tell us, is an acrostic for Ani, Lidodi, Bedodi, Li, based upon a passage in Shir Hashirim, the Song of Songs, I am to my beloved, my friend, and my beloved is to me. The fact that this is the month, Elul is a month that Ani, the individual here below, the human, has to make an overture, Lidodi, to Almighty God. Yes, in the month of Nisan, before we celebrate the festival of Pesach, it's the other way around. It's Dodi Lee. God makes the overture initially. He sends miracles. He, in fact, appears to us. He comes down, and the great story of Yitziat Mitzrayim, the great exodus, the great liberation. But in the month of Elul, we are obligated to make the first move. We are the individuals who have to reach out. We have to do something that indicates that we want to connect, reconnect, to reestablish a conscious and meaningful relationship with God Almighty. And we think to ourselves, what does that really mean? What does it mean to have a conscious relationship with God? Of course, there is Torah, mitzvot, study of Torah, performance of mitzvot, to live our lives in accordance, consistent with the will of God. And that takes us to a certain level. But when we speak about a conscious relationship with God, when we speak about a meaningful relationship with God, it goes so much deeper, and it has to have so much more focus and understanding. And this is what the month of Elul is all about. It's a time when there is a different type of energy, a different type of divine presence. As we always talk about, every month has its own character. Every month has its own particular type of neshama, of soul. Just like every human being has a particular unique type of soul, which is tailor-made for that individual, similarly, time as well, particularly every month. Every month has its particular energy. Our Kabbalists tell us that each and every single month has a corresponding letter from the alphabet, from the Hebrew alphabet. And the letter that is connected to the month of Elul is that tiny letter Yud. 
And the tiny letter Yud, although small in size, is a giant in substance. First of all, what does the Yud represent? The Yud represents humility. And humility means creating space so others can enter. And this is something which is so important for us to understand. What does humility really mean? You know, there's false humility when a person tries to convince himself or others how humble they are. But humility means creating a space so that something, someone else can enter as well. During the month of Elul, we have the ability of creating a space within ourselves that allows for the presence of God to come into our lives. It's not necessarily easy, but it is truly doable. We have the ability to create that sort of relationship, but the effort, the effort is something that has to be done by ourselves. And what is the humility? The humility really means to recognize that after all, we are but human beings, therefore limited in time and space. No matter how great, how intense, how developed our hearts and minds might be, and our minds, as I always say, can be hugely, hugely developed. Our intellectual abilities and capabilities and potential are enormous, but still limited by the human capacity. If we spend a moment or two and think about the fact that after all we are limited human beings, and not only are we limited human beings, but we are totally dependent upon the fact that God created us and continues to create us, that in itself creates a type of humility that makes us in a sense, humble in the presence of God. That's the type of humility. The humility that makes us recognize the presence of godliness within our lives. The recognition of Hashgacha Prati, divine providence, where each and every single thing is overseen and directed by God. We feel a presence, a recognition of godliness in our lives. Because things start to matter as a result of that recognition, as a result of that awareness. Humility, moving aside, creating a space, allowing for the entry of other, that is what the Yud represents. At the same time, the Yud also represents the beginning of everything. Every other letter of the 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet, or for that matter, any al- any alphabet, begins with that dot. The Yud is, well, basically a dot. Every letter, from the smallest to the biggest, begins with one dot. Not only that, every construction, every diagram, every picture, anything that we construct begins with one dot. Interesting concept. The very Yud that represents humility, it's tiny. It allows for the presence of other. Also contains within it the potential of everything else as well. These two opposite but corresponding ideas and concepts 
is what the month of Elul is all about. We reconnect with God. We, limited, tiny human beings, connect with the ultimate creator of heaven and earth. More of that soon. This is the Pasha Hashavua with Rabbi Mendel Lipska, only on 101.9 High FM. It's important to understand that very often the opposites that we see, in actual fact, when they are reconciled, indicate the totality of who and what we are. I know that sounds a bit, well, a bit absurd, but it's true. When we remain at one point and we don't see the incredible extremes of life, then we don't understand our potential. All we see is a very narrow space that we're in. And that narrow space might be comfortable, perhaps even satisfying, but it is extremely limited and limiting. And it doesn't allow for life to flourish. It doesn't allow for true creativity. It doesn't allow for growth. It doesn't allow us to see beyond a very, very narrow perspective. And this is why we opened the Parsha this week with the powerful words of the A. God says, see, behold. And what do you have to behold? Behold what I give Lifnechem before you this day. And what do I give you? I give you essentially two things. I give you bracha, a klola. I give you a blessing and a curse. Look around. Look at life. Understand that there are a great many things out there. Huge things. Tremendous options. You might consider, well, tremendous choices. But it all boils down to two things. Whatever it is in life that you're going to experience, what you're going to see actually boils down to two things. It's either a blessing or it's a curse. And the question is, how can you possibly, how can you possibly recognize which it is? Life presents all sorts of opportunities, all sorts of challenges, all sorts of relationships, all sorts of situations. How can Torah tell us, behold, I give you this day, I present to you, says God, this day, two things, that whatever you have in life, you have to look at it carefully, examine it carefully, and you will see it's either a blessing or a curse. But the Pesach doesn't stop there. It goes on and says, what is the blessing? The blessing is Asher Tishmo. You will learn to listen correctly to God's commandments. And what is the curse? Imlo Tishmo. And this is something that we talked about for a couple of weeks. The art of listening. And what does listening mean? Listening means to discern, to understand, to analyze. You see things in front of you. 
but to truly appreciate what they are, you have to listen, you have to understand, you have to analyze. And that takes time, that takes a degree of knowledge, it takes a certain amount of maturity, it takes experience, and often you have to be guided. It's not something that necessarily comes naturally. Yes, there is a tremendous amount of intuitive knowledge that we have. And very often it's very easy to recognize if it's a blessing or a curse. But very often it's not easy to recognize. And therefore we have to seek counsel and to recognize the wisdom of others, parents, teachers, guides in life. We have to see things and then we have to listen. Elsewhere in the Torah, God says, I give before you good and that which isn't good. And what's good? Good is life. What isn't good? The opposite of life, death. What does that really mean? And how do we connect it to what he's saying over here? Look and listen. Understand. What is life? Life is that which is good. What is life? Life is unity, reconciliation, coming together. What is death? What is evil? Fragmentation, disintegration. Things begin to fall apart. Take anything and take it away from its source of life. It will disintegrate. Take a leaf away from its tree. After a short while, it will disintegrate. Take a tree away from its roots. That mighty tree, after a while, will begin to disintegrate as well. Take the life source away from a living creature. That living creature, God forbid, will disintegrate as well. Life and good is symbolized by unity, integration, coming together, wholeness. The opposite of life is fragmentation, disintegration, tearing apart. This is what Torah is telling us. Look, try to understand this thing that you're encountering, this situation, this relationship, this experience, this challenge, this opportunity, will it bring unity? Or, God forbid, will it bring fragmentation? And that is something which is ultimately the acid test of what, in fact, is a blessing or a curse. A blessing is something which results in unity. A curse is something which results in the opposite of unity. This is true in every single area of life. And this is why it's important for us to understand that the whole concept of confrontation and conflict, even justified conflict and confrontation, if it remains at that level, no matter how satisfied you might feel 
that this confrontation and conflict was worthwhile. If it remains something that is disjointed, ultimately it's the opposite of blessing. And this is where we come back to the idea of humility. The idea of humility indicates, yes, sometimes there is good cause for confrontation and conflict. But at the end of the day, what we search for is unity and peace and wholeness. This is what God is saying to us. The A, look at something. See if it's a blessing or a curse. How do we do it? Tishma, listen. If you don't listen, you'll never know if it's a blessing or a curse. If you don't take the time to understand, if you don't take the time to truly analyze, you'll never ever know. But don't rely only on yourself, because we are very subjective. And as our sages tell us, self-love, well, self-love is able to cover all sorts of sins. We can justify anything within ourselves. You have to have a certain degree of objectivity, and objectivity often can only come from someone outside of ourselves, a friend, a teacher, a mentor. This is a complex but extremely powerful and rewarding experience, the idea of bringing things together, reconciliation, bringing about a state of wholeness. And we see this throughout the entire Torah. The idea of Kedusha, holiness, bringing things together. The opposite of holiness, fragmentation. We live in a world where, well, it's very easy to create conflict. It's very easy, well, to bring about a situation of disintegration. Difficult at times to have the necessary, mature, courageous humility to bring about reconciliation. And very often one can say, well, why should I? The other party, the other situation, they're not doing anything about it. Why should I be the one to give in? And the answer, of course, is because often you have to make the first gesture, and sometimes even the second and third gesture. Because if it will lead to peace, to wholeness, to completeness, it's worthwhile. Yes, there are times when you have to stand back. There are times when it is, well, not constructive. There are times when making a false type of peace or a destructive type of peace is worse. But this too is a time when you need objective clarity. This is the whole idea of the A concept. Look. Look carefully and listen, understand, analyze carefully. Have the humility to hear greater minds than yourself. Have the humility to listen to those who have greater experience than yourself. We often think to ourselves that we're the center of the world. We know it all. 
You know that old story. Hire a teenager while they still know everything. But as we get older, one of the great gifts of maturity, one of the great gifts of maturity is the recognition that we don't necessarily know everything. We begin to see a great many other points of view, and we recognize the value of other points of view as well. At the same time, as we take a look at the oral law of Torah, we recognize the difference of opinion. We recognize, well, even a sense of argument. But at the same time, we also come to a healthy conclusion. And when we do, wholeness prevails. The verdict prevails. The conclusion that everybody comes to prevails. And this is something which is so important as we approach the month of Elul. What is it that we want in the month of Elul? What we want in the month of Elul is to have a different type of relationship with God. We don't want to have a relationship that is fragmented. We don't want to have a relationship that is uncomfortable. We want to have a close relationship with God. We want to have a relationship with God that, well, in a sense, I'm going to use very human terms, He can say anything He wants to us and we can say anything we want to Him. We want to have a relationship with God where we feel comfortable in His presence. Yes, extremely respectful, but comfortable. And in order for us to do that, there has to be a powerful, a powerful combination of humility and awareness. And that takes effort. It's the effort of sight and sound, of seeing and hearing, of looking, understanding, of analyzing and recognizing. This is the power of the month of Elul. And this is the Parsha that we're reading. More of that soon. This is the Parsha Hashavua with Rabbi Mendel Lipska, only on 101.9 High FM. So let's take a look at another part of the Parsha and see how this theme continues. The Parsha contains a great many things. It talks about the laws of Kashrut, which animals are kosher, which birds are kosher, which fish are kosher. It also talks about the festivals of the year. And it tells us when it comes to the festival of Pesach, be very careful to make sure that it takes place during Chodesh HaAviv, during the spring month. Because as we know, there are different ways of constructing and creating a time structure in the year. There are those who follow a purely lunar calendar, such as in Islam, or a purely solar calendar within the Christian world, we Jews follow a combination of the solar and lunar calendar. On the one hand, yes, we follow a very strong lunar calendar, but at the same time, we're told that Pesach has to take place in the springtime, and the spring, of course, depends not so much on the month, but more so on the year season. 
And the question is, why do we do that? Why, in fact, can't we follow a pure lunar calendar? And the answer is because the lunar year and the solar year are a little bit different. The lunar year is 11 days shorter than the solar year. And this is why, in order to reconcile the solar and lunar year, every 19 years we have seven leap years. We add an extra month so that the extra days are filled in and we have complete reconciliation between the solar and lunar years. Now here we see, even within time, even within the natural structure of the world, Torah emphasizes reconciliation. Because early within creation, there was conflict between the sun and the moon, and who would in fact be the primary, the primary light source for the world. The whole story is told to us about how God, well, decided it would be the sun and not the moon. The moon would be the lesser of the two. But at the same time, we are ones who, in fact, bless the new moon. We follow the moon. Our festivals are very much structured according to the moon. Rosh Chodesh, the 15th of the month. But at the same time, we also reconcile every 19-year cycle. We reconcile the lunar and solar year. Reconciliation. Not only between people, not only between things, not only in life generally, and not only in life particularly, but even within time, even within the natural system. Torah guides us toward reconciliation. And that is something that we have to understand. This is the purpose of Torah. The purpose of Torah is to bring unity within everything that God created in this world. This is our job. For whatever reason, God created often opposites, often separate things, very often different things. Our job is to bring about unity. And unity doesn't mean sameness, but unity means reconciliation, purpose, integration, wholeness, whatever word it is that you want to use. Unity means everything belongs within the overall perfect structure of God's creation. And all of it comes to the fore in the month of Elul that we're going to bless this Shabbos tomorrow in Shul. And the month of Elul is rich with all sorts of powerful elements. We blow the shofar every day. We say special prayers. It's a time that we sense extraordinary things are happening. Special things are happening. There is powerful spiritual awareness. Something, something unlike anything else is happening. We realize that we're approaching the King of Kings on the Day of Judgment. Rosh Hashanah, the days of repentance, Yom Kippur. We realize that preparation, preparation is necessary. Anila Dodi Vidodi Li. 
It begins with ourselves. We have to make the overture. We have to reach out. And reaching out means reaching in. Reaching out means looking within ourselves. How did the past year go? What have I accomplished? And I'm sure everybody has done wonderful things, many wonderful things. Can I improve on those wonderful things? Can I add to those wonderful things? Have I made a mistake or two? Can I correct them? Yes, I can. L is a time of reconciliation. Reconciliation means recognizing what, in fact, our potential is and reaching toward that potential as much as possible. L is a time of, well, taking and making a true assessment of who and what we are and are we living up to those capabilities, to those talents that we have. L is a great month. So when you're in shul tomorrow, well, first of all, don't forget to bless the new month of El with the fervor and excitement and joy that the month brings. Remember that the letter associated with El is the Yud, the smallest of all letters, but it's the beginning of all letters. And also listen to the Parsha. It's a fascinating Parsha because it contains so many things. It speaks to us about blessing. It speaks to us about curse. It speaks to about kosher, which animals are kosher. It speaks to us about the festivals of the year. It speaks to us about a great many things. But as I always say, it has something individual to say to each and every one of us. So listen carefully. And listen carefully to what the Parsha has to say to you. Because that is a message that's going to contain a tremendous amount of insight and direction. A tremendous amount of clarity. Good Shabbos.